Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 216 of the podcast that was originally recorded on November 18th of 2018. This week, we talk about Western Legends, a little Everdell, and some Fantasy Realms. Of course, I also talk about a few of the things that I want to play, but let's jump into the episode and see what's been going on. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 216, and after, again, a little short hiatus, um, the summer has ended kind of crazily for us into fall and going into winter here. Um, things have just been completely insane at our house. Kim has been sick and trying to recover from some stuff for about the past six to eight weeks. She's finally actually starting to feel better now. We've actually been able to play some games and get some board games to the table um, rather than her kind of just feeling like crud and not really wanting to do much of anything. So that's been a good thing. I also start a new job tomorrow. So I that has been a really hectic thing for me. Um, uh, the last place I worked, I've worked for for about 11 years. So I'm actually going to um, a new position. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. So that's been another thing that has just thrown a wrench into kind of everything for us as everything kind of just happens at once the way life sometimes happens. So the podcast has kind of been set aside for a little while. We really haven't been doing many videos, um, but we do have some games that we've gotten to the table. We do have some videos that we're going to be working on here. So hopefully we can get back to a normal channel here and a normal podcast and start releasing content again on a, on a weekly basis. Rather than every couple of weeks, um, it seems like I haven't done a podcast in almost a month now. So that's probably the longest um, break that I've taken since I've actually started this podcast almost five years ago. So I kind of miss it. I'm kind of glad to be back in the seat. Um, and hopefully we can get some people on here to, that we can interview and and continue along with what we were doing before and maybe get some co-hosts on the show again. Now that I can get back to a regular schedule, hopefully I can start reaching out to people and actually start planning some things. Whereas before I really didn't want to plan too many things because with things being so much up in the air, it was just really hard to stick to a schedule. But hopefully we're back to that schedule now. So let's jump into what I'm playing now. So one of the games we picked up uh, actually this past week, and there aren't too many times where I pick up a game and we turn around and actually play that game um, within a few days of purchasing it. Usually sometimes games maybe sit around for a little while because we usually have such a backlog of stuff that we're usually trying to work through. Uh, but this week we actually picked up Western Legends. This was a newer game by Colossal Games. And this was a game that I had wanted to kickstart. And at the time, just really didn't have the funds to to go ahead and back it. Uh, but when my lo uh, local game store, um, Recess Games out there in North Olmstead that we normally go to, uh, they had one copy left. So I was able to snag it when we went down uh, for our Monday night game night that we hadn't been to in a while. Everybody was kind of excited to see us and we were excited to see everybody else at the store. Um they had one copy of Western Legends left, uh, so since this was my birthday week, Kim let me actually pick up Western Legends, even though my birthday present is supposed to going to be one of the games that we're going to talk about what I under the what I want to play now part of the show. Um, this was a little thing that we both that we picked up, and she was kind of kind of excited to play it. It's it's a Western theme, um, 
game, and it has a lot to do with uh, some hand, hand management, a little bit of pickup and deliver when you're dealing with um, some of the different ranches and, and the cattle tokens, and it's a really interesting game. One of the big parts of the game, I think, that Kim and I both liked is we're both big poker fans, and we found ourselves, you know, playing poker a lot in the saloons, trying to earn some money, and we had a, a great time doing that, but... I'll give you a rundown of basically what you're going to be doing on your turn and some of the different things you can do. And then we'll talk about what we did when you're playing. I will preface when we I've only played two players so far. I'm going to be taking this down to the game store this week and hopefully get a get a four player game in. Uh, the game does play two to six. When you are playing two player, you're playing with an NPC character, the man in black. And he has a deck of cards each turn or at the end of each player's turn. You're going to flip over one of the man in black's cards and it will basically tell you what he's doing. He may move to a particular spot on the board. He may get rid of one of the bandits on the board, which kind of sucks for you because if you're trying to be a good um, lawman in the West, you want to go around and you want to try to fight those bandits. You want to try to defeat them um, because that will let you go up on on the track for, um, you know, being a good a good character there. So. Playing with the two players and playing with that kind of like dummy NPC, I think that kind of changed the game a little bit uh, from what it will normally be when you're playing a uh, three to six player game where you don't have uh, that that deck of cards to deal with. It does work. You know, we had no problems with it. And, you know, the game, we, th we thought the game played fine, but I definitely want to try it with all human players. Um, so, so basically at the start of your turn, what you're going to do is... Uh, there could be some starter game or uh, starter round effects that you may run into, uh, but the first thing you're going to decide is whether you want to take twenty dollars, or two poker cards, or you can gain ten dollars and draw a poker card. The poker cards definitely come into play. They will be used at the saloon. They will be used during fights. A lot of poker cards actually also have an action attached to them, and during your turn, you'll get three actions that you can um, complete. And during the action phase, there's multiple locations that you can take actions at. You can use one of the actions on your cards, or you can basically do a fight where you're basically trying to arrest another player on the board. You're trying to duel another player and basically um, see who wins, and or you can rob another player and basically try to steal some of their money and stuff. So some of the different actions that you can do um, at the different various locations you have the saloon where you pay 10 bucks and you basically play a hand of poker uh, there's going to be three cards you flip over for the flop and then each player who wants to play if they are in the town they can contribute ten dollars um, you will then build up the pot and basically see who has the best hand um, uh, five card hand uh, so that's very very simple to do uh, there's a couple of ranch tiles on the board and they will have uh, cow tokens on them. Each cow token has a particular action, I guess, that you can take whenever you complete it or turn it in, I guess I should say. Uh, if you turn in the the blue or green to the opposing uh, cattle ranch, you're basically rustling, and that is where you will gain basically a wanted point. Um, but if you actually want to, you know, like I said before, actually stay along the good the good side of of the lawman, you can discard the cattle down at the rail station. At that point in time, you're going to gain a marshal point. And so there's two different, I don't want to say score tracks, but there's two different tracks that you can work along um, in the game. There is that marshal track, and then there is, there is the wanted track. So both of those tracks can give you 
um, differing bonuses as you move along them. You know, being more wanted is possibly going to make you a better target for other players who are possibly on that martial track to come and arrest you. But at the end of each turn, if you are on that one to track, you're going to get legendary points. And legendary points in this game are basically the victory points. And the game is kind of timed in that it's the first person to a certain amount of legendary points is what's kind of going to bring you close to the end of the game. Uh, we played a shorter 15-point game. Uh, 20, I believe, is normal. You can play up to 25, which is longer. Or, you know, in the rules, I think they even said, or in the one video I think we saw, you could even play up to, like, 30 points, I think it was. Um, 20, to me, seems probably like a good spot. 15 seemed like it was a little bit on the shorter side, but we kind of did that for our first game just to kind of see, get a feel for the game and make sure we kind of had all the rules down. And, and the game really isn't too, too hard to learn um, once you you know, kind of go around and do a lot of the different actions. Um, so we talked about the saloon. We talked about doing the ranch. We talked about the rail station. The general store is where you can purchase or upgrade um, your items. You can purchase uh, weapons. You can purchase um, horses. And then if you pay the amount again, you can flip those items over and it gives you some legendary points at the end of the game, as well as some bonuses like um, the horse originally gives you an additional two movement when you're moving around the board. Uh, you can only move two spaces at a time. With the horse, it lets you move four. When you upgrade the horse, it actually lets you move five. Uh, there's a cabaret place in the one location where you can basically get a legendary point for every $30 you spend there. Uh, we, Kim and I really didn't even run into that too much. At the end of the game, I probably could have headed there. I didn't realize how much money I actually had at the end of the game. And you are limited uh, based on you know, how much you can hold. I think you can only have $120 in cash um, based on your wounds and based on, you know, damage that you've actually taken during the game. That can adjust the card size that you have for those poker cards. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different things that you're going to want to watch for in the game. There's a bank space where you can turn in um, gold nuggets that you have mined. Um, mining is one of the other spots where you're going to roll a couple of dice to see if you've gained any gold nuggets, get some... Um, maybe just some money through for gold dust or possibly just roll the X, which is going to, going to give you nothing. If you're at any location and you really don't want to do anything, and you kind of need some money. You can basically just do some work. I guess you could say is what they call it. And that could give you $10. Uh, there's also a doctor's office where you can pay $10 to lose all your wounds and you get to draw a poker card. So those are a lot of the different uh, locations that you can do actions on. Besides that, like I mentioned, you can fight, arrest, duel, or rob another player. And pretty much you're going to be doing one, you know, three things on your turn. And you can, if you wanted to move six spaces to try to get to a particular spot on the board, you can go ahead and do that. You can do three movement actions on your turn. You know, if you didn't have the horse, it was early in the game to do that. Uh, Kim and I basically... I think the way we were playing, we kind of went right to the saloons, both of us, and both of us just started playing poker to try to roll up, roll, you know, rack up some money so then we can head over to the general store to actually purchase some things. One of the nice things that we got very early on, or I think I got it very early on, was a 10-gallon hat. Uh, when you're playing poker, if you lose, it actually gives you um, $10, which is what you're going to do in your ante. If you win, I think it lets you um, gain another legendary point or something like that. So a lot going on in the game. Um, actually, you know, fairly simple to learn. The rules aren't too, too difficult. Fighting could possibly want to be one of the more trickier things. You just have to pay attention to what you're fighting, you know, what you are fighting. Um, because when you're fighting, like, let's say a bandit, you, the, 
one of the player to your right, I think it is, will draw two cards from the fight deck. Um, when you fought the man in black that since Kim and I were playing the two-player game, um, the other player basically drew three cards out of that fight deck, and then they had to play the highest um, card that they drew of those three. Um, and it's basically just a one-card battle at that point in time. I would play a a card from my hand, you know, and the you know Kim would play uh, the highest fight card that she drew, which was basically like a poker card, and whoever had the highest card would win the fight. And then you would get points or money, you know, uh, accordingly. Uh, but the game is actually, you know, really nice. The miniatures look really good. Uh, the board's laid out very nice. It's easy to get around. Um, at once you get five legendary points, every person unlocks some sort of special ability. And that's kind of neat that all of the characters in the game are actual historical characters. And they have a nice little some flavor text on the back, which describes a little bit about that person, what they did in the West. Um and then it tells you what your starting, you know, components are, how much money you start with, how many poker cards, et cetera, et cetera. You know what you actually start with in the game. And each player starts with stuff, you know, a little bit of different stuff, which is nice mix up in the game. Um, but like I said, once you get to five legendary points, you're actually going to unlock the special ability. And each player has a different special ability. Mine was allowing me to move through the mesas in the game, which are these kind of like walled off areas in the game. And when I move through one, I actually got to heal um, myself for a point which was kind of cool because uh, it kind of opened up the board a little bit more for me. I didn't have to move around those, you know, those big rock, you know, sections that are in the game and avoid them. And it was also kind of like free healing for me. So it was, that was really neat playing as mine. Um, Kim was playing as I think Billy the kid. And I think what she got to do was, I think when she um, ended up in the same spot as somebody else, she basically took 10 bucks from him. I think that's what her special ability was when she got to five. But uh, Western Legends, um, this was a Kickstarter. Like I said, we missed the Kickstarter. We weren't able to do it, but I did pick up the game. I wouldn't mind picking up a couple of the expansions. They had several expansions on the Kickstarter. I believe the my local game store had one of those in, um, but I believe by the time I went down there and bought my copy, uh, the only thing they had left for the whole game was basically just the box set, so I didn't, wasn't able to get any of the expansions for it. So hopefully they will get some of those back in, and I can grab some of those. But Western Legends is, um, is a nice Western-style thematic game. Uh, like I said, the poker, uh, Kim and I really enjoyed. That was one of the one of the cooler things about the game and, and a really interesting mechanic that, um, that was just built into the game. But, um, if you're looking for a Western themed game and, you know, you haven't really played too, too many, cause I, there really aren't a lot of them out there that I, that I know of off the top of my head. Um, uh, but check out Western Legends. It was uh, it was actually pretty cool, and I, maybe I'll mention uh, a little bit more about it next week once I get uh, a higher player count game under my belt. After that, one of the games I played a couple of times down at the local game store in the past couple of weeks um, is a little game called Everdell. This game I see a lot of pictures about in some of the different Facebook groups on Instagram. Uh, the game uh, at the table is just really, really gorgeous. It's a game that was published by Starling Games. Really cool. It's a very interesting... Um, the first time I played it, I thought it was a little bit lighter. And the second time I played it, I think I really started to see that it's a little bit more than a lighter worker placement game. There's actually um, quite a bit of depth to the game. There's a lot of just, you know engine building kind of going on. There's some set collection and you're trying to just, you know, put your workers and, and collect your resources and see and play cards from your hand 
that are either critters or buildings. And you're trying to just get all of your cards to kind of work together because you can only have a maximum of a 15 card tableau in front of you uh, by the end of the game. There are a couple of cards that let you go over that limit. Um, there are some cards that maybe play on top of each other um, that then only count as one card. There are maybe a card you can put down that says this card does not count, count as part of your tableau. So, you know, of course, in a card game, there's going to be something that, um, you know, changes the base rules of the game. You know, it wouldn't be a card game without something like that and cards like that. But as as far as the game looks, you know, when you see this game on the table and somebody walks by, it's just it's just gorgeous. The board is a nice kind of like round board. You have all the resources up towards the top and then you have like this three dimensional tree that has cards sitting on it. On one level, at the top level is where you have all of your extra workers that you're going to be bringing in over the course of the game through the various rounds. And the other thing that was interesting the first time we played it was basically the way that the workers are brought in and the way that the rounds kind of like go from round to round. Once somebody is done playing all their workers and not able to maybe play any more cards to their tableau because they've gone through all their resources, they can move on to one of the one of the next seasons. And basically the game kind of takes place over four seasons. But you players can end up in different seasons during this game at different times. So if I'm playing more cards out of my, my hand into my tableau and I'm not using my workers as much and I'm kind of like getting a couple of more kind of like, I don't know if I want to say actions, but a couple of more rounds in, you know, or turns in during the round, you know, I, somebody else at the table may actually jump to the next season a couple of turns before I do. I could still be in, you know, one season while they're actually moving ahead with their game. So when it gets to the end of the game, it can be very interesting depending on how you played. You know, somebody's game could be done several turns, several rounds before, you know, everybody else has kind of finished up the game, which is which is kind of interesting. Um, but I will say, like I said originally, I, I thought this game was a little bit on the lighter side. I think I thought it was on the lighter side because it it it's just so visually just the aesthetic and just you know it it's it's total eye candy. It's it's just it has a great great look at the table, which I think made me think it was a little bit lighter. But once I sat down and played that game a second time, which I was really glad that I did, I noticed that there is just a lot more depth to it. Um, Trying to get the cards and the combinations to go to score you some points and to just give you more resources. Whenever you're doing a production phase, uh, you want to try to have as much production out there as possible to be able to get as many resources as you can. And you start to see how things just start flowing together. Um, I mentioned that there are construction cards, which are like buildings, and then there's critter cards. And if you play a construction card, cr the critters will have um, a building name in the upper left-hand corner, I believe it is. And if you have that building out and then play the critter that matches that building, you can basically play the critter for free and not have to spend any berries to actually bring them into play. So the second time I played, I was really watching what buildings I had in my hand, what construction I was trying to complete, and then what critters I was playing and what critters I had in the my hand and what critters were actually out on the board because not only can you draw and play cards from your hand you can actually play cards from the meadow that is out on the board there's I believe eight cards there um, that are put out and then they're re replenished at the end of each player's turn um, so 
Really, really great worker placement game, I have to say. Um, easy enough for somebody who's newer to gaming to probably get into and learn. But I think this game actually has enough depth for some of us who are heavier, you know, like heavier games and, you know, thinkier games to actually, you know, really draw us in and keep our attention. Like I said, the first time I played it, I was like, OK, it's a nice lighter worker placement game. But then then the second time, once I really started getting into some of the strategy and the, some of the card play and just trying to do some of the different things in the game, I noticed that, you know, there's much more to the game than you would think. And then you, you know that when, you, when you're just scratching the surface during that first gameplay, you know, and learning the game was very simple. Um, you know, the first round, you're only starting off with a couple of workers. So, you know, that first that first season can possibly go very quickly. If you can't get some of the resources to play some of the cards from your hand, you know, you're going to be jumping into the next season and adding additional workers into your hand. And then, you know, just trying to get, you know, to get an engine going and just trying to see what you can build up. But, um, you know, like I said, scratch that surface of the game and it is actually a hell of a lot of fun. Not only is it great looking, but um, this is one we're definitely going to be adding to our collection. I can tell you that much. Um, and I believe they actually had uh, an expansion on Kickstarter for this game. So I'm um, really interested to see what that will bring and add to the game as well. That's Everdell, and that was published by Starling Games. One of the last games we're going to talk about that we played is a little game um, from WizKids. And when I say little game, it's a, it's a very, very simple card game. Uh, very simple to learn. On your turn, you're going to draw a card and then discard a card. You can draw a card from the deck or from the play area, and the game is called Fantasy Realms. Very, very simple game. It's just all cards, and we had a, we had a pretty good time with it. We were playing a four-player game of this one, and I believe you need at least, I believe it's three or three-plus players to actually play the game. Um, but it's very simple. What you're trying to do is you're trying to just build up your hand of cards to just have the best total score possible. Um, I believe my buddy Eric, who is who has co-hosted on the podcast with me several times, found an app for scoring, which actually made scoring way easier because you just go in, check the cards that you end up with in your hand, and it kind of just totals all the bonuses that everything adds together because there's cards that can, you know, say you can get plus 10 if you have this, minus if you have this in your hand. So there's just a lot of cards that can play off each other, and it can get to... You know, scoring can probably take longer than the actual game itself because what actually ends the game is once you have 10 cards in the discard area in front of everybody, uh, the game ends. So like I said, you're going to draw a card from either the draw pile or you can draw one um, from the pile that has been discarded in front of you. And if people aren't drawing from that discard pile and they're just drawing from the draw deck, you know, the game's going to end a lot faster. You know, what basically extends this game is when people start discarding cards that other people want and then adding them to their hands so they can try to, you know, just get different bonuses and build, you know, something off of the card combos that they have. So interesting little card game. I really wasn't too sure how it was going to play, but we played it. We must have played it two, three times. I mean, within probably a 20, 25 minute period because each game can literally take five to 10 minutes to play. Very, very quick card game. Very, very easy to learn. But um, but there's a lot going on. Um, you know, each game was definitely different because each game, you know, you're starting off with different cards and people are discarding different things. So you're seeing, OK, what can I build and what type of bonuses can I get by, you know, with the cards I have in my hand or with what people are th tossing out or what cards I'm drawing from the discard pile or from the draw pile. So 
Really, really interesting game from WizKids. I wasn't too sure about it at first when um, Dave, my buddy, pulled it out. I was just like, ah, I don't know about this one. But after we got a couple of games in our belt, I was like, okay. You know, Kim and I were looking at each other like, that is actually kind of cool. We may have to pick a deck up of for, of this because um, I have a feeling this would actually go over good um, when we have her cousins over um, for some of the holidays. I think the kids would really, really enjoy this game. Very, very simple to learn, like I said. Very quick to play and very easy um, to get through a game. That is Fantasy Realms from WizKids. All right, let's jump over to what I want to play now. So there's a couple of Kickstarters that I've actually wanted to participate in. Um, Cloudspire is one of them um, from Chip Theory Games. They had a successful... Uh, Kickstarter that just ended a little while ago, I believe it was, and really excited about this game. This is their next big game. It's basically uh, a game that's that's based on MOBAs. So if you've ever played um, Dota, Defense of the Ancients, or if you've ever played League of Legends, which I think those guys are a fan of, uh, it's going to be, you know, originally the game I think start, started out as two players, but I think you can play up to like four people. Um, I think they're working on rules for but each player is trying to, you know, just destroy the other player's base, home base. And, you know, you're doing that with, you know, during the during the during your turn or, you know, you're going to be having different creeps that are going to be going along the board that you're moving and just attacking different things. There's going to be different towers that you're going to try to destroy and build up, you know, and it looks really, really interesting. Um, so it's a completely new IP. I don't think it was as big as some of the Too Many Bones games, uh, but I still have a feeling that this game has quite a bit um, to it. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people who pledged at that $1 level who um, I think we're hoping to see more of more videos that, of them producing and see what they do during more of the development phase of this game and, you know, bring the game to completion. But um, I'm going to be all in on this one. I think it looks really, really cool. And um, after not participating in any of the too many bones ones, which I can really kick myself and they asked for, um, I wasn't going to miss this one. So that was Cloudspire from Chip Theory Games. After that, we have Sword and Sorcery Ancient Chronicles. This is another one. I'm a huge Sword and Sorcery fan. Uh, this is a game I don't get to the table enough and would definitely love to see it more. This is being published by Ares Games and Gremlin Project. Uh, it's basically going to be a new standalone um, kind of like game. Uh, for in the sword and sorcery universe, uh, it's going to be a whole new um, campaign that you're going to be able to play through um, either solo or up to five players. So I still need to finish um, the original Immortal Souls campaign. So Agent Chronicles, I can definitely not wait to see what they have here, but I definitely want to be in on that and don't want to miss that one. Really looking forward to that one. And then when Kim and I went actually shopping uh, yesterday, we actually ran into the game store and I saw that they had Fireball Island in there, The Curse of Volcar. Uh, this is the new reprint um, from Restoration Games. Um, we're familiar, quite familiar with their games. As everybody knows, I've definitely talked about Stop Thief before. Kim and I did a video for that one. Um, we've played uh, the racing game Downforce that they put out. Um, Fireball Island is a remake of the 80s game Fireball Island. Uh, we actually unboxed everything. We're checking it out last night, reading through the rules. We didn't get to play a game yet. Um, 
but really looking forward to actually playing this one. We got the base game as well as all the expansions. It looks pretty, pretty cool. Um, definitely takes up a lot of table space, so we'll see how this one plays. I have a feeling this is definitely going to be a much lighter, easier game. This will probably be definitely one that the kids would like. Um, not expecting this to be too, too heavy, but when Kim kind of saw it, she was really interested in this one, so I figure, what the hell, let's grab it and pick that one up. Um, so hopefully we'll be talking about that one here on the podcast shortly as well. But other than that, I think we're coming to the end of the episode. I would like to thank everybody for joining me again. Hopefully we can continue with a weekly podcast here and I will be back next week. Um, until then, send me some emails. Let me know what you've been playing. Send me those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. On Twitch, you can subscribe to us there, twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And YouTube, we're at youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. But until next week, everybody, you know what to do. Go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Until then, everybody, you have a great week gaming. It's great, great to be back in front of the mic and can't wait to do another one next week. But until then, everybody, have a great week gaming and we'll see you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.